Rachel just growled at me. <laughs> Hi, uh, this is episode one of Difficult Damsels. Woo-hoo. I'm Rachel. I'm Kat. Hi. I almost <laughs> I was like, oh shit, my cue. Elizabeth <laughs> <laughs> Bathory, aka Elizabeth Bathory de Esked, the Blood Countess. Dun, dun, dun. She was born August 7th, 1560. This makes her a Leo. <laughs> Explains so much, doesn't it? Uh, sure. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Elizabeth. It's a little easier to say than Erzabet. It's gonna be a lot of uh, Hungarian and Polish names in this, so you're gonna have to forgive me with my pronunciations and my struggles. <laughs> F that. She tried. Don't forget. It's fine. <laughs> She's gonna try. That's all we can. That's all we can ask. <laughs> that being said, she was a Hungarian noblewoman. The Kingdom of Hungary at the time took up the area of Hungary, Slovakia, and Romania. She gained notoriety for torturing, allegedly, hundreds of young girls, along with four slash five other accomplices. Four were tried and convicted with her, and one died the year before. So she was not able to be tried. I was going to say, is this like a 2.5 kids kind of a deal? <laughs> four no, slash but five. we'll get to it. Okay. okay. Four <laughs> slash five. <laughs> four slash five. <laughs> um... Having stuck primarily to servant girls, Bathory's actions went largely unnoticed in her isolated castle until finally she turned her attention to noble women. Interesting. And despite the testimony of over 300 witnesses, she was condemned to house arrest rather than death, largely due to the family name of Bathory. You mean mean rich families getting away with crime isn't new, Rachel? Oh, no. Oh. (laughs) Oh, and, and it's... It's a thing. You mean as money we're can get still into. buy you everything? Money and power can buy you everything. Yes. Especially if it's linked to kings. <laughs> um, but let's let's get a little context first for this period, uh, this period in history. So the year Elizabeth was born, Queen Elizabeth I is ruling in England. King Francis II of France dies, and Mary Queen of Scots who was 17, returns to Scotland shortly thereafter. And then just this time period in general, while she is alive, piracy around the Caribbean starts around this time. Madrid is declared the capital of Spain by Philip II. Ivan the Terrible rules in Moscow. The French wars of religion escalate in this period with Catholics and Huguenots, aka Protestants, fighting. St. Bartholomew's Massacre occurs in France. That's when Catholics tore Protestants out of their homes and murdered them in the streets of Paris. <laughs> Solomon the Magnificent dies when Elizabeth is six. In 1567, the New Testament... Ah, yes. The New Testament is printed for the first time in Welsh. Of oh. The New Testament of the Bible. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Mary, Queen of Scots, eventually escapes from Scotland and is captured by Elizabeth I in England in 1567. The Romanov dynasty begins in Russia. The Reformation is going on right now, so you've got Protestant sects breaking away from the Catholic Church, and this is causing 
a lot of strife in Europe. Um, the Inquisition is going on. So yeah, it's just, just to give you a little bit um, contextualization for what's going on in the world. Where we're at, what we're thinking, how we're thinking. <laughs> yes. Um, so now we're going to talk about who were the Bathories. Um, Elizabeth Bathory comes from the noble family of Bathory, which goes back 350 years. Most notably, they were the rivals of the famed Habsburg family, um, the Habsburgs of Spain. And uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth's mother was a supporter of the Protestant Reformation. Um, the Bathories were a very prominent Hungarian noble family. I actually didn't know this until I started doing my research, but they rose to power in Central Europe during the late Middle Ages. They would eventually go on to have several princes of Transylvania, a king oh. of Poland, and a Grand Duke of Lithuania. You can think of them as Central European versions of the Houses of York or Lancaster. There it is. <laughs> in the, uh, the War of the Roses. Um, House Bathory consisted of two branches. The Samloyo branch, which was the primary, and the Esked branch... Um, which was the cadet branch or secondary. The House of Bathory was started by Bricius Bathory. He founded the house in the late 1200s. The Somloyo branch descends from his eldest son named John, and the Esked branch descends from his youngest son named Luke. All right, all right. So the religious names there. For you. <laughs> A lot of religious names. <laughs> so, uh, do we know which one Bathory was part of? Like our Elizabeth, sorry, I should say. We do. Okay. <laughs> Elizabeth Bathory descends from both branches. Oh, I sense a scandal coming on. Well, <laughs> yes and no. So basically, her father, Baron George VI Bathory, was of the Esked branch. He's the brother of Andrew Bonaventura Bathory, the... The void of Transylvania. I believe this is the Prince of Transylvania. There were hard quotation marks around that. <laughs> I, it, they might be different things. I'm sorry. I'm still learning about their <laughs> politics. Um, and her mother was Baroness Anna Bathory of the Somloyo Bathory branch. She was the daughter of another Prince of Transylvania and the niece of Stephen Bathory, the King of Poland. Grand Duke of Lithuania and Prince of Transylvania. All right, those are a lot so of titles. <laughs> basically, they're cousins. I was gonna say I'm several... sensing some weird incestual vibes going on. Um, <laughs> a lot of historical websites will say it was blatant incest and that they were cousins, but they are keeping the bloodline strong. Well, no, as it it, were. They, you have to understand. Twelve hundred, right, is when the House of Bathory started, and these two branch branches start. Yeah, and it's. 300 plus years later. So they're like... They're distant cousins. They're like very, 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 very distant. very distant cousins to the point <laughs> that we wouldn't bat an eye okay. today. Okay. But the point here is that her parents come from a pedigree that is linked to princes and kings. Ah. She is. was the second of five children. And as you can imagine, she had quite the pedigree, which would later be her shield when her notorious misdeeds were discovered. So let's talk about Elizabeth's childhood. All right. Elizabeth is known to have suffered from multiple seizures, and it's speculated um, they were caused by epilepsy. 
So again, some sources say inbreeding equals bad. It does, by the way. Indeed. (laughs) She was also known for having extreme headaches, which some people have speculated have contributed to her so-called rage attacks. Yeah. Um, And then back on the topic of epilepsy, one of the treatments for epilepsy at the time was to rub the blood of a non-epileptic sufferer on the lips of a victim after their epileptic episode ended. So much alliteration with that. Good God. (laughs) But yeah, so... So there's her first instance of... Supposedly. Oh, supposedly. Allegedly. Allegedly. A lot of this is alleged. That's what we're going to find out with Elizabeth Bathory, um... Everything we've heard about her exploits comes from testimony, but a lot of those people admitted to never witnessing it in person. Great. Uh, people would later go on to speculate that those treatments inspired her later killings with the motive of curing the illness she suffered as a child. No evidence actually supports this, but it is something to keep in mind. Other people have claimed she was taught to be cruel by her family having subjected her to witnessing brutal punishments from officers in her household. People even speculated that her family was involved in satanicism and witchcraft. Again, no evidence supports the satanicism. Yeah, and that kind of stuff always comes up 2020 after the fact when... We have to also remember her mother was a uh, well-known, I believe it was a Calvinist, um... Which is a Protestant, and that goes against so no, no. <laughs> Catholicism. Yeah. Well, it's just, you have, you again, that's the context of the history of this period, is you have a breaking of the church going on right now. So, possible religious motivations could have tinted the lens from which we now view her. Again, we can't say for sure, it's just yet another thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, and the interest only swells because of what happened. I mean, if if this didn't happen, if she didn't do what she did, we wouldn't know squat about her because she's just a woman. No, no matter where she comes from, the line she comes from, she's still at the end of the day, in that time, just a woman. And I think in many instances we wouldn't have even heard about her if it was just limited to torture. Yeah. It's the fact that women were also murdered that... Yep. <laughs> ...brought attention to her. And it's not even just that women were murdered, it was... The types of women who were murdered by the end. She was raised as a Calvinist during a time when the Protestant Reformation was sweeping across Europe. And she was incredibly intelligent and very well educated. The reason I point this out is there is a small window in history where the education of women was actually a primary primary focus. Most of the time, noble women, their education was literally just needlework and learning how to dance and learning the niceties of society but the women of this time period and this includes elizabeth they got a lot of the same education that their contemporary men also got so she learned in addition to needlework and dancing she learned how to fence and ride she studied latin german hungarian and greek and Sources agree that she was incredibly intelligent, and some of the subjects she studied were mathematics, literature, anatomy, and astronomy. Alright. She's known to be very beautiful. The one portrait that survives, I believe it's a copy, 
Um, but it's the one we know of her. It's, she's got dark hair, brown eyes. She's got the, the famed porcelain skin of the time that was valued by a lot of people of that time period. And on top of that, she was incredibly wealthy. Like, disgustingly that, that wealthy. Helps. <laughs> it helps, but it also... I think it's going to explain a lot of things later on down the road. Um, the thing we need to remember, again, is just she was very privileged because of her noble blood. Mm-hmm. Marriage to Ferenz Nadaste, Count Ferenz Nadaste. She was betrothed to Ferenz at the age of 10, and they were married when she was 15 and he was 19. Oh, <laughs> that's not okay. So yeah, you're gonna, we're gonna see with a lot of the women of this time period. Um, it's normal to marry young. Well, it's normal to be betrothed young. I would say a lot of people get stuck in the idea of like, oh, women married at the age of 10. Yeah. She didn't. They waited five years. Um, she did, however. Well, that helps. Whole five years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, again, better than like, marrying You're at 10. Wrong. Some people did marry like infant children just for the sake of an alliance, and then they would come together later. Yeah, being of a higher noble standing, she kept her surname, and her husband went on to assume the surname of Bathory as well. Ooh, I like. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, it was basically, she was of higher status and had more wealth, so when she came along, they took her name. Um, Ferenz gifted her his castle of Kachish? God damn it. (laughs) I wrote it down. She was so worried about this, guys. Kestish Castle. (laughs) Um, And that's, again, where essentially the bulk of our story takes place is in this castle. One more time. What's it called? Kestish. Yes. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this castle is located in modern-day Slovakia. This is in Eastern Europe. It's bordered by Poland to the north, Ukraine to the east, and Hungary to the south. And for my architecture nerds out there, (laughs) Castle Kestish was built in the Romanesque style, and it later evolved into the Gothic and Renaissance styles in the later centuries. It was eventually neglected and burned down in 1799. A ruin now stands in its place, and it was left in decay until 2014, when it was turned into a tourist attraction. Naturally. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Along with the castle, Elizabeth was gifted with Castiche <laughs> Country House and 17 adjacent villages. Ferenz became the chief commander of Hungarian troops and led the Hungarian forces during the Habsburg-Ottoman War. One of the countries contested between these two forces was Transylvania, and Elizabeth and Ferenz's estates were en route to Vienna. They were basically very close to where the action of war was taking place. Most of the, um, most of the websites you'll find online, kind of, they'll mention, oh, her husband was away on war Mm -hmm. all the time, but they don't really talk about this war and the fact that it was devastating to the countryside. And it was ongoing for, I believe it was decades. And he was very much, uh, her husband was very much a wartime man. He enjoyed being away at war. 
While Ferenz was away on campaign, he left Elizabeth in charge of the defense of their estates in addition to managing the everyday business affairs. Um, so this included everything from collecting taxes to making sure their castles were updated. and. So was that normal to leave the wife in charge of both defense and no. house? Um, the house, yes. The household. The house, yes. I get the house, but it was just kind of like, a, oh, when you said in charge yeah, of defenses. Yeah, it's definitely not normal for this time period. But it was kind of just the way the situation worked out. He was constantly gone, and because their estates were on the border of where these conflicts were occurring, it really was it up was to required. her. yeah. Yeah. Um, so to give you an idea of just how cl- close this threat was, the village of Kastish was plundered by the Ottomans at one point. One interesting note, Elizabeth is said to have intervened on behalf of destitute women from the war. She's definitely written about as, you know, finding the woman whose husband died to the Ottomans and taking her in and helping her out. Um, okay. Ferenz died on January 4th, 1604, due to an unknown illness that was said to cause immense pain in his legs. He was um, pretty much immobilized the two years before his death. And before dying, he entrusted his children and Elizabeth to, I want to say it's Grigor Thurzo, which would later prove to be her downfall as he led the investigation against her crimes. Um... Let's put a little bit more context on this. The Hungarian army consisted primarily of peasants. Unhappy with their treatment that they had been receiving over the years, they revolted against the Hungarian nobles. There were a number of laws enacted against um, the peasants from that uprising that turned the Hungarian peasantry into serfs. This basically made them slaves and less than human. They had no legal rights. Oh, that's fine. Great! <laughs> so this uprising occurred before Elizabeth was born, but it is, it is important to be aware of just how poorly the peasantry was being treated. Nobles were considered above the law, and rumors of Elizabeth's brutality had circulated amongst the local peasantry for years before it was ever investigated. This- I mean, that sounds like normal, just for the time... You know, I'm sure rumors when you think were about always it today. The same thing happens. Well, yeah. It's not affecting people higher up. A lot of times, doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like it's a care. it's just you know mm-hmm. hearsay or oh it's just because you don't like them because they're of a higher standing than you and you're just starting rumors. You're just starting gossip. You're just starting ghost stories and you yeah. know making someone the boogeyman. Ghost stories is precisely it. Um, <laughs> it it got to a point where people in the village, the nearby village, would hide their daughters. So Elizabeth Bathory was the boogeyman of the villages. All right. Don't send your daughters to Elizabeth Bathory. (laughs) As we're going to find out in this series, history, especially when it comes to women, is full of salacious tales. So what exactly is the story? Um, The internet is full of websites that capitalize on her brutality and venerate the tales of torture she, and in some case, or or in some cases, people will suggest gleefully witnessed in her youth. Some sources say she suffered from fits of rage, though whether that was due to an extreme and aggressive form of some sort of mental illness or just 
the result of her headaches and the epileptic episodes, we can't say. Other people say it's just literally temper tantrums thrown by the poor little rich girl. Yeah. Um, it can also have to do with what she grew up in. I mean, she grew up in war and in conflict. I mean, if that's your she constant... She grew up in war and her parents died when she was very young. And then you don't have any sort of outlet because what is therapy back then? Nobody... Well, more than that, um, there's no precedence for child abuse laws in this time period. Oh, yeah, no. And again, um, I believe her father died when she was 13 Mm -hmm. and that's when she was sent to live with her future husband's family. Her mom died shortly thereafter. So she was essentially orphaned to this new family. Yeah. Anyway, the whole point is it's nearly impossible to get a full and accurate, accurate timeline of her crimes. Some sources suggest the brutality started after her husband's death, but a majority of the sources suggest that, he was actually involved in a lot of the torture. The timeline um, we're going to kind of work with, and again, I'm not going to break it down by year, but just to give you an idea of the time she was active in all this is said to be between 1590 and 1610. So approximately 20 years. All right. All right. It's a long time. (laughs) It's a very long time. (laughs) It is generally agreed that her crimes were largely committed when Ferenz was away on campaign. Rumors of her atrocities began to spread across Hungary between 1602 and 1604. So think about that. Yeah. 12 to 14 years after she supposedly started. A Lutheran minister made public complaints against her. I believe complaints were brought against her to the Pope. Oh, wow. (laughs) She didn't care because that's not her religion. Well, that timeline also, the fact, you, you know, when you say it's so many, like a decade before anyone actually like started the rumors, I mean... Well, quote unquote rumors. It started could have just, listening, I would say. Started listening yeah. to the rumors. Well, it could have just been that she started small, you know, aim small, miss small, and then as time went by and she started not getting caught and nothing coming, then you know, no consequences. Of course, you're going to get a little more creative and inventive. A little more creative. <laughs> That's one word for it. Yes, <laughs> That's my word for it. Um, complaints were made against her at the court of Vienna. But again, the Hungarian authorities kind of drag their feet to investigate until King Matthias of Austria, notably a member of the Habsburg family, which Mm -hmm. I mentioned were their rivals, appointed Grigor Thurzo to investigate. Um, Just to give you a little more information on Thurzo, he was the Palatine of Hungary, which is the highest office held after the king can kind of think of him as the hand of the king. Yes. Game of Thrones fame. <laughs> um, and then, so were the complaints, were they dragging their feet? Because is this still, this this is still, they're in conflict. There's other things going on? Or has the no, conflict ended? No, I think people ended? just didn't care. Okay. No, conflict is going on this whole time. So conflict is still going on. So, so that have... could be. No. I mean, yeah, they were probably dragging their feet because it's someone higher up. And then again, we're, it's peasants. We are eventually going to get to what instigated Matthias actually stepping in. Okay, okay. But for the most part, again, the whole point here is peasants were considered less than human. Thurzo is the one who appoints notaries to collect evidence against her, um, and that's where you get all the witness accounts. By 1610, they had gathered 52 witness statements. Oh, wow. 
And then by 1611, that number jumped up to 300. And it's from these statements that we get the accounts of her tortures and atrocities. And I, I want to mention that because a lot of these statements are hearsay. Yeah. Very few people actually came out and said they saw any of this firsthand. And was it people? I mean, it could have just been, you know, a handful of people were actually there, actually had a real account. And then other people just kind of... It's clear something was going on. Yeah. People were disappearing in large droves. That was undeniable. Yeah. But what actually went on in there? You mean to tell me that there were no video cameras that caught this? No. None? This is before... No video cameras, Rachel? The advent of (laughs) security footage, I'm afraid to say. (laughs) So this is when witness testimony was actually all they had. Pretty much. Yeah. Unless you caught somebody red-handed. Rewind machine. Let's uh, let's talk about what some of these alleged tortures included. Sorry, one more time. Did you just call it a rewind machine? We're going in so like a re- time machine. The rewind <laughs> time machine. <laughs> so, um, some of these alleged tortures include driving needles under the fingernails. Oh my god! No, <laughs> sorry. That's that's oh tame compared to what no no no. We're done. <laughs> I'm already out. <laughs> Mutilating the noses and lips of her victims, whipping, covering her victims in honey and leaving them exposed outside to bugs so that they could be devoured alive. That's fun. That's my particular favorite of the disturbing realm. Not that it's actually my favorite. Nope, she meant that as her favorite. This is who I'm dealing with. (laughs) Gross. Yeah, oh God. Um, Well, the fact that you know that you're being devoured alive. Oh, Um, it's not a good way to go. (laughs) She supposedly burned her victims with hot irons. Her servants suffered from many beatings. Some of the reports included victims who had ice water poured over them, and then they were left to freeze to death outside, exposed. Joy. She's said to have sewn the lips together of some of her victims. She's said to have bit off chunks of flesh from her victims' faces and breasts. And that seems made up. <laughs> it's probably the one that's real. <laughs> that's actually supposedly one of the ones that's real. Oh my gosh. <laughs> supposedly one of her favorite torture devices was scissors, and she used them to cut off hands, noses, and genitals. With scissors. Mm-hmm. Well, oh. these are also gonna be like medieval slash renaissance oh, no. scissors yeah and um so no design flaws is what you're saying <laughs> she also was said to use scissors to slate slice open the skin between her victim's fingers mm. additional like accu- the webbing uh-huh. oh yes oh. <laughs> like how very descriptive you got sorry there's, there's more and i'm not gonna mention them it just it it it's bad <laughs> this is a preview Additional accusations included that she engaged in cannibalism, that she had sex with the devil, and of course... <laughs> me too, kid, me too. <laughs> the infamous claim that she bathed in the blood of her victims for eternal youth. Interesting. That one's never been proven, and... That's upsetting. I want that to be proven. <laughs> I'm sincerely sorry, but yeah, that didn't start up until, I think, 100 or 200 years later. Oh, yeah. 
Of course, it's the thing literally. Because everybody... putting needles under the fingernails isn't enough. No, we, <laughs> we gotta to bathe in the blood too. Yeah. <laughs> Not so. only the blood, but the blood. Was it blood of virgins or no? That came in later. The virgin thing is just thrown in there. For okay, some... yeah. See, I, just I mean, threw it in well, there. so you have. <laughs> Her victims are very young. They were yeah. between the ages of 10 and 14. Mm-hmm. So, in theory, if that were the case, they probably were. Yeah. And, of course, that's what everybody glots on to. Of course. Sources say it started with just servants claiming the minor, the most minor mishap committed by them would result in a pinch or she would just hit them when they displeased her. I feel like that's just common, though. Yeah. That just seems like a common thing. I mean, if if they're not human in your eyes, then of course you're going to beat the shite out of them when they yeah, do something that displeases you. <laughs> and again, if these people are literally considered to have no legal recourse, yeah. you can... You can do whatever. And, in theory, do anything to yeah. them, unfortunately. Um, they say that while her husband was away fighting in the Ottoman Wars, she was left with the responsibility of running and maintaining a huge estate. Her letters to her steward at the time showed a notable increase in anxiety in the month leading up to the time when her husband would return from his campaigns, and it was usually around Christmas and Easter. So could that anxiety be from something her husband was doing when he was home? Possibly. And then that's where maybe she's taking that aggression from that out on the non-humans. Quote-unquote. <laughs> I would say that's the more sympathetic version. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> or interpretation. In addition to her husband returning to assess the management of her household, he often had hundreds of soldiers with him at the time, so they would need to be put up at the castles, attended to, fed. So... It's a lot of work. Not even knowing if there is potential domestic abuse going on, and that is speculated. Yeah. There's just the stress of knowing you have all these extra mouths to feed. Yeah. They're coming from war. They're riled up. These are seasoned soldiers that yeah. she's having to deal with. Um, Alone one, without a husband. Well, no. They're, it's when he comes. Oh, it's when he, he brings comes them. Back. It's because he's literally the lead of the army, so he's bringing them with him. Gotcha. Yeah. Dude, keep your friends away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Find a hotel, man. <laughs> So one thing to note about friends, he and his comrades-at-arms were known for their extreme cruelty towards their Ottoman prisoners, very similar to Vlad the Impaler, and her husband also participated in the practice of impaling Ottoman soldiers. On top of that, he and his uh, friends are said to have played soccer with the decapitated heads of the Ottomans they captured and killed. Not seeing a problem, that sounds like fun. No! (laughs) I'm not not getting it! Good God. <laughs> well, yeah, so this is... I don't know what's worse. This impaling is what them... He's bringing home with him. Impaling them on sharp spikes. Or playing soccer with their heads. It's just a complete disregard for people who've died. Yeah. A disregard or respect for life, period. Well, that, yeah, that also sounds just like a rage problem. I mean... <laughs> they are said to have done it gleefully. They just didn't, again, I would imagine a lot of that is not viewing the Ottomans as human because of a difference in religion. Um, The Ottomans weren't nice either. Oh, no, no, no. War is never nice. Yeah, war is never pretty. (laughs) War is never nice. (laughs) So the nature of their marriage is often speculated upon, as you've suggested. 
In public, they were the picture of civility, um, but some comp- contemporaries have speculated that maybe he did beat her. Yeah. Maybe that can account for her clear anxieties with her steward, like when she knew he was coming home. Yeah. And uh, again, they've suggested that his brutal treatment of the Ottomans certainly point to a violent streak. Yeah. But we don't know. Interestingly enough, they did not have their first child until 10 years into the marriage. Oh. Is 10 years really that much of a surprise? She was 24 when she had her first kid. Again, they married, married when she was 15. 15. And he was away at war all yeah. the time. So, anyway, back to our story of torture and mayhem. <laughs> yes. Most sources agree that Friends was involved in the torture, at least to some degree, and even introduced some of the more gruesome torture methods based on the interrogation techniques he learned while engaging with the Ottomans. Allegedly, he suggested, um, you know, torture them. That's fine, but don't kill them. Like, that's a waste. Excuse me. (laughs) And we don't Uh, need to draw unnecessary attention to ourselves. No, torture's fine. Torture's totally fine. Totally fine. (laughs) It's the killing part. So, oh my gosh. And not surprisingly, there aren't really many noted deaths while he's alive. It's said he like came home one day and that's when one of the servant girls who had died, like they'd reported it and a priest came to pick her up and she was magically already in a coffin. Interesting. So there's no reason to do they're an just, autopsy. It's, oh, they're being nice. They're Caloria, giving her a coffin. Whatever it is, Caloria. Cholera. Cholera. Jesus. Cholera. Wow, my brain was broken for half a minute. <laughs> it's cholera, you know, we don't... Yeah. We don't want to scare the villagers. No, no. Um, but yeah, so at this time, supposedly, it's just... I say just tortures, if that's some small thing. It's yeah. not, but not as many known deaths. If this is where it had stopped, um, we likely never would have heard about Elizabeth Bathory. Yeah, because that kind of... This was part for the cause. Probably, yeah. Exactly. And servants had no legal rights. Bathory and her husband could torture them openly, and their servants had literally zero legal precedence to do anything about it. So, her husband's death. When he died, he left Elizabeth a widow of four children between the ages of five and 18. Anna was her oldest daughter, Ariska, Catalin, and Paul. They had another son named Andras, who died the year before, and um, a possible bastard named Mikolos. Sources don't agree exactly on who he is. He was in the household. Um, He could have just as easily... Been like a family friend. Been like a cousin, yeah. And he's not included in her will, so that's why a lot of sources say like he's not actually theirs or again he could just be a bastard we don't know there's, yeah. there's just the Nicholas. <laughs> Ferenz had made um the request of his supporters to swear fealty to elizabeth and his children and look out for them all right um the reason for this is because she is after all a very wealthy and powerful noble woman woman which means she's vulnerable once he dies and their oldest child is only 18 and it's anna it's not even the heir yeah so again men do not like it when women have autonomy and power (laughs) what (laughs) um her wealth and her land made her very powerful and rich 
Traditionally, women who were widowed went into a mourning period for about a year. Elizabeth's lasted about a month. (laughs) Sorry. It's great. Well, so this may seem callous, but the Kingdom of Hungary was at war, in a constant state of war, and members of Elizabeth's family took advantage of the situation, looting from her lands and sometimes outright stealing her land. So she came out of mourning because she had to, because people were stealing from her. She eventually had to sell off some of her property, supposedly to survive. I mean, she still would have been wealthy. She would have been fine, but at the very least to keep her estates. Yeah. She had to sell it off. Um, This is the time period when a lot of the violence against her servants is amped up, according to witnesses. Girl's got to relieve stress somehow, Rachel. Um, (laughs) Try yoga. Try yoga. I don't think yoga was a thing <laughs> on that side of the world. I was like, yoga's been a thing Hold for on. a very long time. <laughs> I revised. <laughs> this is when you start to hear about her biting chunks out of her servants, depriving her servants of water, and then making them drink their own urine starts. Uh. Um, okay, so let's. we're going to start talking about her accomplices now. At the time of... Well, their arrest and her house arrest, she had four known accomplices. There's a fifth who died the year before um, she was arrested. That was Anna Darvoya. She was her main accomplice. She's said to have been from lesser nobility, but still kind of above the other servants. There's, I want to say it's Iona Joe. She was the nanny. Oh, Oh, okay. Who's nanny? The children? The children. Okay. Yeah. There's Dorotia Semtez. I hope <laughs> I said that right. One of the servants, Katerina Benica Alondris, and Janos, a young serving boy. Um, he is notably the only male conspirator. Yeah. So interesting that it's... Women I mean, who helped her. Yeah, and not only women, but nannies and servants and one sort of kind of noble lady um that's pretty crazy i mean could that have been you know helper so you aren't beneath her that sounds weird potentially (laughs) um helper so she doesn't do it to you that sort of thing right Uh uh-huh but yeah so thing is all of her accomplices allegedly willingly participated and some said eagerly they also did this completely openly and helped with the cleanup mm. after. Of course they helped with the cleanup. That's their job. <laughs> Her tortures were said to be catered specifically to the perceived mistakes made by her servants. So to give you an example, if a servant missed a stitch, she would order the girl to have her fingernails dug in. Oh, no. Or have needles stitch their mouths shut. Ew. Yeah. That's insane. (laughs) She is said to have had torture chambers set up around her castles where girls were dragged off for some of the more brutal crimes. Notably, these chambers were said to be full of blood that could be bucketed up. (laughs) And it may be from these stories that people would later sensationalize her crimes and the whole supposed I mean you can connect the dots to buckets of blood being connected to a tub of blood in which Bathory bathes (laughs) yeah hey that's but she didn't (laughs) lies (laughs) 
Over time, the peasants of neighboring villages were said, again, to quite literally hide their daughters because people eventually caught on to the fact that um, the servant girls they sent to train with Elizabeth did not come back. <laughs> the scheme kind of comes to its head when she decides to open a finishing school for young noblewomen. This is called the gymnasium again this is a this is a thing from ancient greece where a building a building or a portion of the house is reserved for women and it's where she promised to train them in the arts of being a noble woman <laughs> um and again she's reaching out specifically to like the lower gentry yeah so you send you would you would gladly send your daughter to go train with someone that high up and someone that with high up someone with the notorious name it's speculated that she was running out of peasant girls to torture because again families weren't sending their girls anymore <laughs> yeah, no thanks i wonder why <laughs> no what <laughs> um so she and her cohorts created this new scheme to gain a new supply with the promise of helping to turn young noble women into ladies, along with a nice little fee for her services, <laughs> helped fill her coffers that had been previously depleted, yep. the lesser gentry began to send their daughters in droves. Her household warned her against targeting noble women. Yeah. They said noble women are not the same. <laughs> They're as not the non human thing we're got going on right now. <laughs> Precisely. They told her people will notice. Yeah. And they did. People will, not only people will notice, because obviously the peasants notice their children missing, but people will notice, and people with voices that actually mattered will notice and say something. And they will say something. To the right people. And they will, precisely, they <laughs> will say it to the people who will stop it, because you yeah. don't, you don't mess with the upper classes. No, no. <laughs> so, enter Gregor Thurzo. With, uh, when parents turned up to collect their daughters from this finishing school... They were met with outlandish excuses of why their daughters couldn't be produced. Oh, no. Elizabeth told them that some of the girls had gone crazy and others had committed suicide. Oh, my gosh. These complaints eventually made it up to King Matthias because the parents were understandably saying, Upset? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Where are my kids? Yeah. <laughs> um, so he sent Thurzo in to investigate. Um... It's important to note, Thurzo had promised her husband to look out for her and oh, her yeah. kids. So you have a conflict of interest here. Do I honor the promise made to a childhood friend, or am I loyal to my king? Turns out he was loyal to his king, but he did do what he could to, help to kind of protect her somewhat. Yes, he, he reached out to family members and said, hey, do you know what's going on here? Like... What should we be doing? Yeah. Um, it's also said that Elizabeth became aware of Thurzo's investigation and was always tipped off by family before he came to visit the, fan, um, the castle. Mm -hmm. He claimed to have surprised her one evening when she was completely naked and covered in blood. Mm -hmm. He and his investigators supposedly found a girl's mutilated body near the castle entrance. I do believe they found a dead body in the castle, so that one might be a little true. Yeah. Um, little truth sprinkled with a whole lot of rainbow sprinkles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and in true horror fashion, it's said screaming echoed through the castle wa walls and is what led them to the torture chamber. 
Supposedly, they also caught a servant in the process of torturing another servant. Supposedly, they found one of the servant girls um, fleeing the castle with a knife still in her. Oh. All these stories. Oh, my gosh. Who knows what's actually <laughs> true. Um, eventually, the accomplices were arrested, and ironically, they all confessed while under torture from the investigators. Huh. <laughs> Okay, so the four living accomplices placed the majority of the blame on Anna, who had conveniently died the previous year, and Ugh. you couldn't arrest Anna Elizabeth as well. They copped up to 50 murders, but that number eventually jumped up to around 200. Jeez. So the servants put the number at about 200. Yeah. Um, the modern number puts the count at over 650 based on the claim made by... Servant girl suggesting Elizabeth had kept a list of all her victims in a journal. Um, most notably, this journal has never been found. Of course not. Three of the servants... Does this journal exist? <laughs> who knows? That's kind of the theme Where's here. That? Yeah. Who knows? Um, three of the servants were condemned to death. The, the boy, being as young as he was, was beheaded and then burned. The three women, however had each of their fingers pulled off one by one, mm. were then bludgeoned, and then burned as witches. Of course. Thurzo and the nobles refused the king's request to put her on trial, claiming it would look bad for the nobility, and refused to disgrace the name and reputation of the Bathory family. Oh my god. She was instead condemned to lifelong imprisonment in her castle. King Matthias was pissed the fuck off with Thurzo, <laughs> Um, because he wouldn't put her on trial and decided to start his own investigation. It was only after he began unearthing the scope of her conspiratorial network that he stopped. Because guess what? Some of his allies were Oh, shit! <laughs> so that's why he stopped. Her punishment? She was bricked into her own home. Oof. With slits provided so that food could be slid through the slits. She's said to have wandered her keep... In a rage. She died two years later on August 21st, 1614. She was originally buried in the church um, of the neighboring village, but the locals unsurprisingly were like, hell the fuck no. Off. <laughs> yeah, they were like, get her out. Yeah. So her remains were moved back to the Bathory family crypt. That being said, they're not there now. Ooh. Nobody knows where oh. her remains are, <laughs> and they have been forever lost to history. Oh, I mean, damn. <laughs> so the why of it all. Why did Elizabeth do the things she did? There are some people out there who claim it was all a conspiracy. The Habsburgs notoriously owed her, fa her family money. Her family members took advantage of her imprisonment and stole her possessions, and not to mention the Reformation was underway. And a Calvinist Protestant... As a Calvinist Protestant, she was no friend to the Catholic Church or the Pope. What do we think? <laughs> What's the why of it? Why did she do what she did, and did she do what she did? If you're raised in a society that looks at your peasantry as being less than human, it makes it very easy to devalue life. That's true. Elizabeth married young. Her parents both died when she was young, and she was largely left to her own devices with her husband constantly at war. Throw in the known brutality of her husband's war exploits her epileptic episodes, possible chronic headaches. I mean, I'm not nice when I have a headache. Yeah, I'm a stark radio monster when I have a headache. Um, and the perpetual mm. stress of managing a large estate, 
You've got a very volatile Molotov cocktail for psychosis. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she bathed in the blood of virgins. She's not a vampire. She's a very real monster. Isolation made it easy for her to hide. If she hadn't targeted noble women towards the end of her reign of terror, I doubt we would have anything to say about her at all. Yeah. And I doubt we would know about her, period. That's crazy. <laughs> And that's Elizabeth Bathory. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, so what made her difficult? And was she a damsel? Um, I mean, what made her difficult? Um, well, one, she had that education. I, I don't consider her a damsel. I mean, her circumstances were pretty par for the cause at the time. It was pretty standard. I mean, who knows? She was a child bride. Um, she but didn't who have... wasn't in that time? Yeah, but she also, I mean, the violence she dished out to others kind of makes me lose all sympathy that I kind of had for her. Yeah. That being said, she was very well educated, and she apparently was very good at managing the estates and um, also defending them. So there is that, and I would imagine a lot of people didn't like that at the time. Oh, yeah. No, of course not. (laughs) But she is the monster people made her out to be. Yeah. said she was yeah. yeah so that's pretty that's pretty accurate <laughs> yep <laughs> i think the other question we talked about asking ourselves when it comes to these women we talk about is could could they either accomplish or in elizabeth's case get away with the things they got away with or accomplished um today not at the scale that she got away with but i think she could have gotten away with it for a time. Yeah. I mean, serial killers still exist. Serial killers exist. You know, I think it's harder to hide Monstrosities now. still exist. There, is a pedof- there was a pedophile island. I mean... I mean, you have the whole Owned Jeffrey by the rich and Epstein powerful. So money still gets... On. Yeah, money still gets you... Gets you ahead of the game, but... Yeah. I think you're right. I don't think the scope she would be able to get away with it. Um, she would have been found out a hell of a lot sooner, and she would have for sure been burned at the stake so to speak people would not have tolerated this no. today once they found out yeah if she if she if for whatever reason if she, she got away it, with it in court like judicially she would have been persecuted outside of outside of a court so there's no way that she would have kind of oh god just terrifying to think of that existing today and i'm sure it does and i don't know oh, yeah i'm yeah. sure it to a certain degree and yeah. the nth degree yeah it, it exists and scary you know, to think about <laughs> money can money can buy you anything money and power <laughs> yeah and um, it did it bought her a more humane death she died in her sleep yeah which is horrid although some serial killers die in their sleep yep they're in jail but so was she she was in her own jail yeah i mean it wasn't you know it was still she still had the comforts she of, was more comfortable than yeah yeah Yep. So yeah. All right. There we go. There it is. Episode down. All right. We did it. We did it. I'm not high-fiving you. High-five. Nope. It's not happening. God damn it. All right. Well, that concludes our very first episode. Thank you guys for joining us. Come back again. Just as a reminder, we do have a Facebook page. Yeah, Difficult Damsels is the podcast. And then our email is difficult dot damsels at gmail.com so let us know what you think let us know why you think elizabeth bathory is a difficult damsel and how 
How do you guys feel? I don't know why this? you think she's a piece of shit. I mean, wow, that's aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also would like a jingle for a podcast. Oh yes, we need a jingle. A logo. So if any of our friends who are artistically inclined are at all interested, for anyone who wants to help us out, yay! Cool. <laughs> all right, thanks guys. Bye. Stay difficult. Stay difficult. But don't kill people. Don't do that. <laughs>